From KLIN Radio and the Lincoln Independent Business Association, this is the Lincoln Business Beat, a weekly program of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with LIBA Policy and Research Coordinator Carter Teal, I'm Mark Vale. Glad to have you joining us. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by the 1890 Initiative. Visit 1890Nebraska.com, where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes. Carter, uh, welcome uh, in. We had you here uh, a recent podcast, uh, fairly new to LIBA. Uh, Bud's out this week, but it's uh, been a, an active uh, couple of months. And Why don't you run through some of the things that LIBA's been uh, uh, had going on. Yeah, thank you for having me in, Mark. Excited to flow, fly solo today. Um, so last night we had our ribbon-cutting event at Ascend Aesthetics um, at 1600 Normandy Court Suite 106. Just wanted to give them a shout-out because they have a lot of good stuff to offer if you're trying to lose weight. They're great people, good service, so give them a look up if you want Ascend Aesthetics. And then uh, we've got some things coming up uh, as we look ahead to November. Yes. November 9th, we are going to have our BizNet networking event hosted by SurfPro of Lincoln at 3800 Tuzelan Avenue, November 9th at 430. Um, SurfPro of Lincoln specializing in cleaning and restoration services. And then Friday the 17th, uh, that big yeah. event. Are there any tickets left for this one? Yes, yes. This is the big one, okay? So Friday, November 17th at James Arthur Vineyards up in Raymond, we will be having our LIBA-sponsored murder mystery event. And this thing is awesome. Now listen, we have two more tickets left for this, okay? So if you're listening to this, stop what you're doing, pause the podcast, call our office, and reserve those tickets for yourself because you are going to want to be there. You get to participate in a real-life, true-to-form, interactive, whodunit murder mystery. I think what's really neat about this is this... Uh... These are written by and put together by Jim Ballard. Yeah. It, it's it's all a local. It's, yeah, we haven't done one of these things in a couple of years because of COVID, but we're doing it again now. And everybody who's done them in the past just raves about how exceptional they are because James puts in such such good work into creating and executing an elaborate and unique story. It keeps you entertained, and it's it's just such a fun time. And just one other event. I know it's not on the calendar we've got here, but our uh, the November Liebel uh, Luncheon is going to feature uh, Nebraska Attorney General Mike Hilgers. Yes, yes, that's definitely worth coming to, and we'll give you some more details on that in the weeks to come. But uh, be looking forward to that too. We're going to have him at the or at the November luncheon, and then in December. We are pri privileged to be hosting the governor, Jim Pillen. So two it's, big luncheons coming up to end the year. It'll be a, a one-year uh, return of Governor Pillen. Actually, he was uh, governor-elect when he was the, there last December. And, yep. Uh, we had, uh, matter of fact, we interviewed him here on the Lincoln Business Beat uh, from that luncheon. You've been uh, on the policy and research side, though. You've been working on a few other projects uh, they were in the news a little bit, and, and the county commission and the city council and some of the other agencies 
Uh, there's some things on city housing that have started to develop. Let's uh, let's get an update on that. Yeah, so the city's affordable housing development market right now, it is in crisis mode. And that's because the Lancaster County Assessor has decided, after a determination from the Nebraska Tax and Equalization and Review Commission earlier this year, to make the flip to valuating their properties, to assessing the value of their properties using the typical market rate model instead of the income-based model that was set out in a 2015 state law. And this makes a huge difference oh, in what their, their tax an, uh, liability is going to be. An astronomical difference because it's, it's kind of confusing. The Nebraska state constitution does have that uniformity in assessment clause where you have to you can't value different properties in diff using different models with the exception of agricultural land which gets valued at three-fourths of what the market rate is but they've been using this uh, income-based model actual income actual expenses and a capitalization rate and that has resulted for a lot of these properties over the past several years in valuations of zero or even in the negatives so that means they would pay nothing in property taxes and that would mean that what the property tax would have been if their properties were assessed at the market rate, that's then shifted to all of the other taxpayers. So the the court held earlier this year that that's inequitable and the county assessor was free to make that flip back, which has resulted in crazy differences in valuations. I've heard some of those in the 500% oh. plus, uh, and, and even in some instances, higher than that. Yeah, so just a couple of examples here. Victory Park, um, their 2022 value was 2.2 million. 2023 value, 4.9 million. That's a 124% increase. Um, down here at uh, Ambassador and President Apartments, 2022, 1.2. 2023, 4.5. That's a, that's a 265% increase. Wow. That was a, that's a significant uh, increase. And this is affordable housing mm -hmm. stuff that now we're, we're changing more than just the tax liability. Yeah, no, it's, it's just, and just one more here. Cause this one is just insane. The people city mission home, this is on 110 Q street. In 2022, the value was 1.1 million. 2023, 12,164,000. That's nearly a 1,000% increase. It's, it's crazy. And so the people in the affordable housing market are saying, listen, we cannot afford to pay this. Like, this everybody's had a problem with property taxes this year and deservedly so, but we literally cannot afford this. We're affordable housing. The rent is restricted by law. And if we, if this goes through the way it is, the expense that we would have through property taxes would exceed our income. That's going to straight line us into insolvency. And not only is it going to rupture the entire current market, this may end up killing any and all future developments of Section 42 housing because there's not a lender on the planet who's going to want to invest in a property that is subject to these extremely volatile spikes in expenses and that can't guarantee a cash flow. So it's, it's, uh, it's very dangerous territory. What, what are some of the possible uh, 
solution? Well, are there any? Well, really what it is, what it comes down to is that these two assessing mechanisms are the two ends of the extreme. With the income-based model, you have these properties that are worth millions of dollars that are that are maybe paying nothing in property taxes, shifting it to all of the other taxpayers. But then on the other end of the spectrum, using the typical market rate, you're 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 skyrocketing their valuations up to $15 million. So they have to find somewhere in the middle. There has to be new legislation on this. That may require a constitutional amendment if the Supreme Court gets involved and says this 2015 state law violates the uniformity and assessment clause in the Constitution. It's the legislature's job to amend the Constitution, not the courts. Legislature have at it. So... Now, th this also takes into uh, or can have an effect, I would imagine, on some of these projects where uh, I believe it's what uh, a certain percent of uh, new projects uh, that get some financing have to have affordable housing, but they're able to yes. buy their way out of that with a donation. Yeah. But this this would be a, a situation that could really be a double whammy for affordable housing projects. Yeah, and I, I I think they'll come up with something just because of the urgency to it, because, you know, you are looking at these projects becoming insolvent very quickly if it goes through the way it is. Now, from a business perspective, what I was thinking, if there is an amendment and there's clarity in different mechanisms to assess property, Maybe we could get something in there that applies to new businesses. Say, for instance, you're a business within your first three years of incorporation. You've purchased property specifically for the function of your business. And your valuation using an income-based model is significantly less than it would be if it was used using a traditional market rate. Then you can split the difference or find some number in between that, and that'll be your assessed value that you pay property taxes on for the first three years. It's just an idea. I think it'd be an excellent economic incentive to start a business in Nebraska, but I don't know. I'm just some guy. Well, as they say, stay with it. Stay tuned because this is not going to go away anytime soon. Uh, convention Center, the Standing Committee, gave an update. We covered a little bit of it on uh, KLIN in our newscast. But uh, they're, they're moving forward uh, with some uh, progress and, and it determined who would ultimately be, I guess, the owner of the Convention Center? Well, yeah, the Convention Center is going to be owned by the, uh, the county. That was made clear. And so now the standing committee, which is made up by several state senators, a couple of our national senators, and uh, a variety of local policymakers, they are coming closer and closer to selecting a, uh, a, a consultant, a, a national consultant, to really bring the project to fruition. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out, but... They're looking at having it done within the next couple of weeks, and so we just have to wait and see what they come to right now. So this is what be a, uh, an RFP for the consultant to narrow down sites and this type of thing. Yes, so, that, yes, that's so what it would be. More on that yet to come. But we're also looking and gearing up. I mean, we're uh, just a little over two months away from the legislative session. Oh, you're, yeah. Uh, you're new in this position with LIBA, but I'm sure you're uh, looking at legislative priorities and uh, so you can hit the ground running come January, what, uh, er, very early January. <laughs> January 3rd. I'm very excited. I may look back at the end of it and say I was foolish to feel this way, 
but I am excited. What we have planned for Liba is uh, the main thing for us right now is focusing on governmental transparency, making sure that the public has time to review policy changes, budgets, tax changes, a considerable amount of time ahead of the public hearings on those respective changes. A lot of this has to do with the Truth in Taxation pink postcard process that we saw play out this past year. I think a lot of people came to the conclusion that it's a flawed process. A lot of our members, well, some of our members, they ended up getting their pink postcards Monday on the 18th when the public hearing was the next day on the 19th. So, you know, you're getting this bomb dropped on you that your property taxes are going to go up a considerable amount. And then the public hearing is the next day added to the fact that most of those entities' budgets are finalized so that they can't really make any changes in the time between September 18th and September 30th when it has to be approved. So what we want to have happen is the public gets informed a considerable amount of time ahead of a hearing, that hearing occurs, and then there needs to be a considerable amount a considerable amount of time between that hearing and when the final decision has to be made by the governmental entity so they have the opportunity to sit back and say okay we've gotten a lot of pushback on this we probably need to make some cuts here 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 good to go so so a little uh, a remixing of the uh, pink postcard uh, mm-hmm. legislation that passed this past year and and, and some clarification and, and changes most likely will be in there. Yeah, and there a lot of different organizations are looking at that as well, so we won't be alone on that. One other thing is um, we want the public to know about the amount of taxes collected in excess of the budgets of these taxing entities. Bud made the statement at the joint public tax hearing last month that the city of Lincoln has collected over $102 million in excess of what they've budgeted for over the past three years alone. That's just in the past three years. Not many people knew that. Okay, so we think it, it's, it's the governments should have the responsibility to make sure that people are aware that that's going on and to know how those funds are going to be distributed, how they're going to be used, and we expect that the public should have some input on that. And I'm sure there'll be other priorities that uh, pop up as well. We're going to do our deep dive here in just a moment. What are we going to be discussing? We are going to go into how the City of Lincoln Libraries is determining steps to address short and long-term facility improvements. We'll do that in just a moment. Husker fans, you've probably heard about NIL, name, image, and likeness, and now you can have an immediate effect on the success of the program. The 1890 Initiative is Nebraska's premier NIL company, and with your help, we can maximize our student-athletes' opportunities with NIL and prepare them for life after college. Nebraska's always been a leader in college athletics. Let's do the same with NIL. To learn more, visit 1890nebraska.com where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes. That's 1890nebraska.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. 
Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. LIBA Policy and Research Coordinator Carter Teal is with us today on the Lincoln Business Beat. Bud's out this week. On our deep dive, um, one of the committees at LIBA uh, recently had uh, kind of a discussion with some of the people involved with the Lincoln City Libraries and some uh, deep discussions there. Mm-hmm. What uh, was uh, the crux of that? Yeah, so on Monday, as part of our Community Access Committee meeting, uh, we hosted in Ryan Weber, who's the director of the library system here in town, Cleve Reeves, part of BVH Architecture here in Lincoln, and then Matthew Krunterad, who is part of MSR Design out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. They came in to present their assessment of the facilities of the library system, an analysis of the library's usage trends, and to gain public feedback to address short- and long-term facility improvements. Well, that was their stated goal, but uh, what... uh... How did the discussion uh, take off after that? Because I'm sure... uh, (laughs) You can guess. Yeah, um, because it just seems to me that technology has changed so much Mm -hmm. in the the role and what the libraries can do as opposed to what they must do. Um, Where did they... You know, what was the direction of the discussion? Well, actually, to back up, during their presentation, one of the first things that they said, and I feel like it's such a redundant point that these sorts of people, that these guys have to make when they're going to public input meetings, is to clarify to everybody, just so you all know, libraries are still being used, okay? Libraries are not obsolete. They're being used. They're being used in different ways a lot of the time than they were before. Um, but the the subject matter of their presentation was, was fairly preliminary. Um, they're very early on in the process of gathering public feedback. They are hosting meetings, and I'll include this in my policy update that I send out every Friday. Um, at all of the different library branch locations across town uh, just to get the public input about what the public wants to see happen. We were, there was some expectation about like, well, what do you guys see? Like, what's your guys' vision for what we do with the library system? And they said, uh, well, we don't have it yet. That's why we're here talking to you guys. And so I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that, but I, you know, they're, they're really, really great guys and they're doing their due diligence for, um, for, for what they were brought in to do when they, uh, when they got done with the presentation, the first question that was asked, because the data that they presented wasn't in numbers, it was just graphics and circles. Each library got a circle, the bigger the circle the more the library was used. And so the Southern Library Gear, Gear Library, it had significantly the biggest circle. 
And so the first question that was asked was, so Gear Library is the most used library in the city, right? And they're like, yep, yep, yep. It's like, so wouldn't that suggest that we don't need to build a new downtown library? And then it was like at that point where it's like, all right, the rest of this meeting is going to be devoted to discussing that subject. And it's certainly not a new one. But um, yeah, there, there, Matthew just gave the rundown about MSR design, what they do. They work, they're a nationally prestiged architectural design firm up in Minneapolis. They do work all across the country with different library systems. He showed some examples of what they do. It's truly like what you think about, like the buildings that are an architect's dream. Certain additions, certain installations, renovations, and new construction projects. Uh, talking about things like installing research labs, 3D printers, making sure that that technology that you mentioned, that that technology is up to date so that the library can continue to serve a purpose in the communities. And so it was, it was really interesting to hear about it. I'm sure that there was a, was there any discussion? I know it will, will eventually be in uh, the, the discussion phase at some time, and that's the, the physical structures of some of the branches are just not going to be conducive to uh, new technologies or uh, remodeling or retrofitting. Are they, was that discussed at all? So that wasn't discussed in the meeting. What I will say is that, since we're going to broach the subject anyway, I read on the Library Board of Trustees website, they do have their position statement on asking for support to build a downtown library. Back in 2003, they commissioned a study where they brought in a couple of companies who made the recommendation, Bennett Library has run its course, it's not suitable for current uh, renovation or additions technologically wise, or it wouldn't be prudent to add on to it. It's time to build a new library somewhere else. But that's really as far as it went was just that recommendation. Then in 2012, the Library Board of Trustees personally raised money, financed their own study with another couple of companies who came in and said once again, Bennett Library has run its course. It's not suitable for the current times. It's not prudent to renovate or add on to it. We should build a new library somewhere else. And that was when the Pershing Center was available. And so then the library board submitted that bid to the city. The city declined it. The city rejected it. So now here we are again about another 10 years later. I figure the library board of trustees is hoping that the third time is a charm. But we don't know yet with the current climate um, of Lincoln, just with how things are right now. Yeah, but maybe it's uh, time to tap into some of that $103 million in excess uh, <laughs> collection of uh, taxes and, and, um, and make something like this happen. Well, that would be the avenue to go with it. And listen, there are a lot of people, because you want to have public support for it, there are a lot of people who are saying, we don't want a new downtown library. We don't need a new downtown library. But I really feel that those statements fall under a bigger umbrella of we are skeptical about the city of Lincoln spending money. Well, one thing is certain. There is certainly a move towards more uh, residential housing in downtown Lincoln. Yes. So, uh, you know, that 
can be a, a new factor, but you also have, um, you know, a university campus with its own library that does in fact yep. cater to a lot of those residents. Yeah, exactly. And we we talked about we talked about the UNL library and um, the biggest I think counter argument to maybe the downtown library isn't used as much to justify building a new one is that if we built a new one at the Pershing location where there's a new mall and you know there's a lot of activity then it would be used substantially more and i can see the merit of that argument i certainly can well, it'll be interesting to see how this uh, progresses uh, any idea of a timeline or the next steps in this process or was this just the uh, here's here's what we're uh, working on um you know, they just said that they would be in touch with us, but they're really early on into the process. We're excited to hear when they get back with something of a plan, something with a, a vision that they can set forth with us. And once again, I'll be sure to include all of this in the policy update that I send out each week. So just keep checking that thing and um, you will know as soon as we know. These are the types of things that uh, we all uh, can talk about, too, because even though you don't really think of it, but a good library system helps with families that may be trying oh, to yeah. uh, relocate here, part of the workforce retention, workforce development. So it, it is an, it's important to the business community. Absolutely. But we also have to look at the cost benefits. And on that note, um, one of our members suggested during the, the committee meeting that it's important that the libraries, because a lot of the usage that libraries receive now is with partnerships with organizations, mainly schools, but a lot of other different organizations will use the library for committee meetings, teaching classes, doing collaborative research, those sorts of things. And so he made the suggestion that libraries should seek out more partnerships with business entities looking at different entrepreneurial courses, different entrepreneurial programs to really spur uh, learning about business and learning about uh, how we can how we can develop economically. And I think that's a great idea. I really do. Yeah, it really sounds uh, good. Anything else to put the uh, the cap on this one? No, I think that about covers it. And, of course, if anybody wants to contact you, they can reach you at the LIBA office. You can go to, into specifics on, on this meeting with you. Yeah, and you, if you if you really just want to get to me, my, my work email is just carter at liba.org. That's carter at L-I-B-A, Lincoln Independent Business Association, liba.org. Uh, and they can call uh, the LIBA office and, and leave you a voicemail or talk to you if, if they've got uh, specific questions about how this process is working on? Yes, absolutely. You can do that. Either way, um, I'll be sure to reach back to you. All right. <laughs> Carter, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Glad that uh, you were able to uh, pinch hit here for Bud. He was out this week. Uh, looking forward to having you back again. And I, I know you'll be uh, actively involved and in, in updating us uh, mm -hmm. once we get into the legislative session because you're going to be one very, very busy person. Oh, it's going to be fun. This has been the Lincoln Business Beat from the Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio, reviewing and updating business owners and community members about what's happening in the business community in and around Lincoln. Along with LIBA Policy and Research Coordinator Carter Teal, I'm Mark Vail. Lincoln Business Beat has been made possible by the 1890 Initiative. 
visit 1890nebraska.com where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes. <laughs> <laughs>